Good morning to you. I am, uh, my name is Chuck Bomar, and if I haven't met you, I would love to meet you afterwards. I know many of you, um, but I don't know many of you. So afterwards, I'd love to meet you if I haven't. Um, we are in this uh, vision series, if, you, if you're not uh, aware. Maybe you missed last week. I, I believe Rick was here last week uh, from Sherwood, our Sherwood congregation, um, talking about community. And um, the idea of this, and I'm sure Matt's articulated this to you, um, is that as we got together as a lead teaching team, we decided that we we're going to break up these, this vision series and kind of pick what we felt like uh, the, these, the topics that best suit us and our gifting and our wiring and how we think, and then let's cycle around. So frankly, it's a little bit of a break because we teach the same message four times. <laughs> And uh, which doesn't excite me, actually. So mine's changing every week uh, uh, in some ways. Um, Others of us are very excited and feel like, wow, I get a little bit of a reprieve there. And that's true for me, too, in some ways. So this vision series is not as much, just to be clear, is not as much about our ideas of what we want to do or some strategy for the church or a specific congregation. It's more about like understanding these spaces in which we believe God is inviting us into and what happens if we do that, what happens in that space. And I, I would argue that um, uh, when we step into these spaces, God not only uses us in the life of other people, but he actually changes us. And that's the real beauty. So um, here's the way, like, let me, just for the sake of, like, our time here, let me just walk you through kind of how I see these things happening so that you understand where we're going this morning. So if you look at these five spaces, um, uh, these topics here, hospitality, generosity, collaboration, celebration, community, last week you heard from Rick talk about community. Today I want to talk about the collaboration piece. But as we approach all of these spaces in which God's invited us into, um, we would say a couple of things. One is, is we believe that these uniquely speak to us in our time in ways that are very uh, different from other times and eras. These are things that God's invited all people in all time to step into, but we're impacted by these spaces uniquely in our time. And so what we want to do, and you've heard Matt talk about this, is we want to look at these through the lens of the gospel. So we're saying these are rooted in the gospel. And by the gospel, what we mean is we're talking about who God is as a self-giving, loving relationship and what God has done in and through Christ and what he will do through Christ. So that's good news. God's good and loving and self-giving, fully unified in relationship. That's God. And then what he has done. And so we want to look at each of these spaces through that lens. And what we believe is is that as we step into those spaces, God's going to form us. So we are going to be changed. These uniquely speak to our thinking and our culture, and uh, we're going to trust that God is good, and therefore he has our best interest in mind. So when he asks me to step into something, it's for my best interest. And so when I step into it, he's going to change me. And so that changes how I view obedience. So if we put us at the bottom and I step into these obe- as obedience, these are not necessarily now things that I have to do as a Christian. 
That's, that's, that's wrong thinking. I'm not doing these things. I'm living into these things so that I can be formed into who God wants me to be formed into. His name is Jesus, right? To look like Christ. And so now I'm going to look at Christ to see how he lived out these spaces. And I'm going to trust that as I step into them and following Jesus, I too am going to be changed to be more like him. So it's really formation. And so in the course of this, really what I have been saying is we need to ask a question like what needs to die in me? Because I have to believe that if God's inviting me into these spaces and I, if I believe that God's going to move me towards Christ's likeness, then things are going to be killed that need to die, and that's part of the Christian life. And there's a real beauty to that. And so um, that's how I, I see these, and, um, and that'll help you see how I'm approaching this collaboration piece today. Now, in April 2008, uh, April 12th to be exact, um, I drove up from Southern California. Actually, I'm sorry, April 11th. I drove up. Not that that matters. <laughs> you don't care. Uh, April 11th, I just drove up with um, two of my cars and th- three of my friends because uh, we were moving to Portland, Oregon to start a church called Colossae. And uh, we're moving to this little city. We didn't know if it was called Tigard or Tigard or what. We didn't know. And so we're driving up. Uh, I think by that time we figured it out. But um, we're driving up. And I remember on April 12th, the next day, I was waiting for the moving truck to come with our stuff, and I was sitting outside of Starbucks at Washington Square. Starbucks is no longer there. Well, not where it was. It's by Panera. Anyway, I'm sitting looking at a parking lot, and I had this sense like, whoa, this is, this is right. Like, I'm in the right spot. Now, there's, it was scary. I had no job and all those kind of things, but all, all this, I never felt... What the part of the safety that I felt was that I never felt like I was actually alone. So I, I didn't come like thinking, I'm bringing the gospel to Portland or I'm going to change a city. Like that's not at all what I was thinking. I came in going, wow, I'm, I'm a part of something much larger here. I, I, there was stuff going on in the church world. And although I didn't know anybody, I didn't know anybody. Two, two people on my wife's side of our wedding lived up here somewhere. <laughs> And that's about, I don't know how well you know your spouse's other wedding party side, but I didn't know them that well. Uh, and so they just lived here. So I, I, I thought I was a part of something that was a lot larger. And so I started individually going to, just as a person, uh, starting this church, I started going to coffee shops every day, getting in my car going, okay, Lord, where am I going? And I felt very alone, but I didn't feel alone. Does that make sense? So I'm by myself. But I'm around the city all the time. I had this goal of talking to 10 people a day. I failed every day. I never made it. So my introverted self took over and won. And I'd go into a coffee shop. I'd hold the door for somebody just so they could say thank you. I'd be like, you're welcome. I'm like, that's one, you know. And I would go on my way. I, was, I never got to 10. So, um, I, but in the midst of that, over the time of being here, I started to get to know some pastors that I sincerely felt like, we were on the same team. And we, they befriended me and invited me into a much larger story that I felt like I was a part of. I just didn't have connection points to it. And so as over the 11 years now, I've been able to be a part of that story, as are you. And I believe God's doing some amazing things 
through the churches collaborating together. It's a great story. What's interesting, though, is is that although this feels right, and most of us think like that's the way the church should work, that's not at all the way our lives work. So, for instance, just take business. You would never expect the owner of a salon to promote and collaborate with owners of other salons. That would be dumb. Unless it directly impacted your bottom line. You don't expect like contractors to work in a life of collaboration with other contractors unless they're subcontractors that relieve you as a general contractor and benefit your business. You, you don't, we don't operate like that. And even individually, we could boo-hoo like business focusing on money all day long, but you're actually really thankful for that. Because if your business, the company you work for, doesn't make money, you don't have an income to support your family. So business operates individually, bottom line, profit, and you ought to be thankful for that because that gives you an income. And we can't boohoo that because we don't think in collaboration either. For instance, I'm pretty sure none of us in this room are thinking about building the retirement plan of our neighbors. Has that ever crossed your mind? We don't even build the retirement plan of our own family members extremely individualistic. I'm certainly not compared, I'm not trying to figure out how to pay for college tuition for my neighbors, and we don't even think about that for our own family. It's just our immediate family. So that's not good or bad, but at least it could probably show us that this whole idea of collaboration is a foreign concept to us, and it, it's going to be difficult to live into fully. So in that, in that type of culture that's very individualistic, last week Rick was here, if you expect community to go really smooth here, you're nuts. <laughs> Everything in our life is about our individuality. So if you expect community to be anything but some suffering, you are, you are in denial. <laughs> it's just the way it works. That's why community's hard. That's why family's hard. And so, but the, the truth is, is the Christian life is different. And so expectations are different as well. In culture, we don't expect business owners or neighbors to care for us in those ways. But the Christian life is different. And so the expectations are different. And they should be different. Um, when we look at it, it's based on, Christian story is based on a larger story that takes all of our business and all of our personal lives and pulls it together for a much larger purpose. And that's the collaborative piece. And that's what I want to talk about, why I want to talk about kingdom collaboration, why I think it's so important. Because it is different, and therefore the expectations are different. We've actually been given something that nobody else has been given. And it's all based on who God is as a self-giving, unified, loving relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. That frames out everything that we're doing. So we're talking about kingdom collaboration. So we put collaboration just there, but it's really kingdom collaboration because when I made that slide, it didn't work in my anal schematic everything. It didn't work, so I just combined it to one word. But it's kingdom collaboration is what we call, talk about. So it's collaborating for kingdom purposes. Now, kingdom is a word that's uh, pretty foreign to us, actually. And in the scriptures, you see it a lot, particularly for, through the, the teachings of Jesus. 
he'll use phrases like, the kingdom of God is like, dot, dot, dot. Or he'll say, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. Phrases like this. And all that Jesus is talking about is the way in which God works in relationship to the world. So the kingdom reality is a relational term. That's, Jesus is referring to how God relates to and works in relationship to the world. For us, we don't, have a, we don't talk about kingdoms unless we're playing like Game of Thrones or something, which I've never played. Is that a game or a movie? See, I'm, I'm an idiot. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's a book and a movie, a TV show. Probably a game then. So I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I got it. We certainly, but we certainly don't understand like a monarchy or a kingship. We don't live under that reality. And because it's so foreign to our everyday lives, we most often will think about the kingdom wrongly. That wrong thinking shows in a couple of different ways. One of the most common ways we, this shows is this. We'll use a phrase, something like, building the kingdom of God. We're going to build the kingdom. That's not only wrong theologically, but it's actually not at all the posture in which we want to embrace as Christians. Let, let, me, let me walk through this a couple different ways. Because the kingdom of God speaks about... Uh, uh, directly speaking about from Jesus who God is and how he works in relationship to the world. And so uh, let, me, let me walk you through this passage in Mark chapter 1 to start. It, it says, now after John was arrested, this will give us a, a, a wrap our heads around this a little bit. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. So we use gospel, that's Christianese terminology. The gospel this and gospel center that or whatever. And it's kind of like when you talk about, um, when you talk about spiritual growth. That's common language we all use, but nobody actually knows what in the heck we're talking about. Like, what do you actually mean by growing spiritually? So gospel is another word that's just thrown out there all the time. It's about the gospel. And if you ask people for definitions of gospel, we'd probably get as many definitions as people in the room. The interesting thing is, is this is where we see Jesus defining the gospel in the, in the scriptures. And so he's proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the good news to Jesus, what is it? Well, the good news, the gospel, was that the kingdom of God was at hand. That was the gospel. And when, we, when, we, when you do any amount of study in the kingdom, what you're going to come across is this theme constantly with people that have thought even remotely deeply about this, and that is the reign of God. The kingdom of God speaks of God's reign over a situation, over a person. So the ways in which God's relating to the world are being realized, and this is where Jesus' statement comes to power. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words... You are about to see what God's reign looks like in a person's life. It's me. And this is why three verses later in verse 17, he says, I want you to follow me. He doesn't ask anybody to invite him into their life. You see that? He's saying, no, I'm inviting you into mine because the kingdom of God is at hand and this is good 
news for you. You can actually see and feel and experience what the reign of God and the supremacy of God over a human being looks like. And so I'm going to invite you into that life. And this is tied to a couple of things for us personally. First off, the kingdom of God is tied to our repentance. This is turning away from sin and returning to the Father's reign and supremacy in our life. That's what repentance is. Sin is I'm taking, I'm reigning over my own life, taking my own direction, thinking I can live a better life outside of the trust of God. And repentance is, no, that's self-serving, that's self-ish, not self-giving. And so I'm going to return to the Father, His reign over my life, and embrace kingdom living today. That takes place in our homes with parenting, that takes place in our cubicles at work, in our offices, whatever, in our neighborhood. That's kingdom living. And then it's tied also to our belief, which is very personal. It's a very personal connection between all of these. And so naturally then when we talk about kingdom living, we're talking about stepping into a space where we're actually asking the question, not just like the typical bracelet, what would Jesus do kind of thing, although that's true. We're actually saying, what, was God's, what is God's best reality for this situation? This is why we value things like justice issues and why we celebrate uh, people being freed from trafficking. Because if God's reign, if the kingdom reality was in place in the people's, in people's lives, that would not be happening. This is why we celebrate righting those wrongs. Because it's not the kingdom living. It's not a sign and a reflection of God's reigning as supreme in a situation. And that's where our work comes in. And so this idea of kingdom is very, very important. And these five focus points come in. This this idea is that we step into these collaborative efforts and we're going to reflect who God is as self-giving, unified love. And we're going to live that out in reality the best way we can. So kingdom, that's what we're talking about. And that's important to realize because, and we'll talk more practically about that in a minute, but when we combine it with collaboration, if you just did like a simple search of collaboration on Rabbi Google, you'll come up with a definition, something like you're working together to produce something. But we already know we're not going to produce the reign of God. You're not going to build the reign of God. That's, 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 frankly, I don't know a more arrogant statement. I'm going to build the kingdom. Wow. You're going to build the reign of God. That's fascinating. Good luck. You know, Collaborative, what are we producing then? Well, I, I would just suggest to you that as the people of God collaborating, we're going to produce a witness. By collaborating together in kingdom living and kingdom ways, we're producing a witness for a larger community. And what that witness is of and witnesses to, again, is the gospel, the good news of who God is, self-giving, loving relationship. He reigns supreme. And when we work together at his people, we're going to give reflection and a witness to who he is and what he's done. And we're going to point to Christ through it. And so, what, what, it's, again, it's different than business goals. And that's because we've been given something. Uh, this is where this comes in. We've been given unity. You don't have to build unity either. 
You don't have to work to create it. You live from it. You live out of it. And this is where together, when we give witness to who God is, um, this, this creates this expectation that's very different. So again, Christianity is rooted in this understanding of God as being a self-giving, loving, unified relationship. Typically, when we think about God, we think about either the Father, either the Son, or just the Spirit. Christian understanding, and this is the one thing that sets us apart from every other religion, is that the understanding of God is a relationship, a unified relationship. Anything otherwise is thinking about God in a singular person, and that therefore you're viewing God as like a Muslim would. So Christian understanding is based on that, and that frames everything for us. Who God is shapes everything about what we're doing and how we're going about life. And God as a self-giving, loving, unified relationship is expressed in us as well. And we operate from that. We can certainly damage that. We can cause division, but unity already exists. So Ephesians 4 speaks to it this way, and you'll see the whole a working of who God is here and a reflection in who we are as his people. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul writing, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness. So humility and gentleness speaks towards unity. Can you imagine unity with the opposites? Arrogance and harshness. No. With patience bearing with one another in love. All of these are actually a reflection of who God is. And so Paul's saying, look, live that out. Be who you are as image bearers of that self-giving, loving God with each other, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So you're maintaining something. You're not building it. You're not creating it. You're maintaining it. You're living from that space. There is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, so there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So there you have God, who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, shaping who we are and what we're maintaining and reflecting. So this, this and that's the theology of this. So practically... This rings true for us, I think, because deep down we think that's what the church should do. All churches should work together. We're all part of the same team. Well, in an individualistic culture, that's not easy. You don't even expect it of business owners, and you don't think like that either. And yet, as churches, we're supposed to think like this. And we should, because we've been given unity, something very unique. And we're giving witness to something very unique. His name is Jesus, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So I want you to know that we're trying to live this out in every aspect of our structure at Colossae. So first off, relationships with other pastors in our city is a high, high priority for all of our lead pastors. Matt works at that. He works with that of building relationships with other pastors and other churches here in Beaverton. That's vital. It's very, very important. And we will do that in every way we possibly can. 
and Matt and all the other lead pastors will work really hard at that. That said, we have to live it out on every level of our lives. Otherwise, it's like, I value marriage, but I don't value my own. That's called hypocrisy. So we have to live this out, not just as an institutional or corporate level, to use that language, but as much as we can on an individual level. And so we structure Colossae in a very kind of unique way. It certainly doesn't make it better, but it is very different. Um, we work in relationship. So uh, the way, if you, haven't, if you don't know, this is how we work, try to structure this kingdom collaboration at Colossae. So if you take um, Tigard, Hillsborough, Sherwood, and Beaverton, those are the letters stand for that, we share resources. So a couple of those resources would be HR resources and finance. So let's just take finance for example. One of the ways that when our collaboration is beneficial is we handle all of the finances for all five congregations for less than $40,000 a year. That's actually really remarkable. So there's a beauty in the collaboration on a real practical level because now we can actually combine all the resources. But if we don't have collaboration on some different levels, on every level, we start to lose it on all levels. So we're trying our best, and we're not perfect, but trying to put this all in place. Additionally, we collaborate for multiplication, which is this is a fruit of, right? So before Beaverton was launched, Tigard, Hillsborough, and Sherwood combined 5% of our resources to help uh, all giving and tithes to help launch this community. These four have got given together, to, and 5% of all the giving is now producing the launch of Portland, our Portland East, which now is meeting on every Sunday at Western Seminary. And you're a part of that. As a brand new church plant, you're not even nine months old, you're now producing, you're actually participating in the multiplication of other churches or congregations. That's a beautiful fruit of collaboration. So I just want you to know that on a structural level, even on an administrative level, we're trying to collaborate towards kingdom purposes. We believe God's reign is best articulated and reflected through the localization of churches and congregations. And so we're trying to do that. Uh, on, on, a, on a practical level, I connect. I, we work together. Uh, lead pastors, we, we meet together once a month. We, we plan a series like this, for instance. We talk about issues that we're facing in culture um, talk about theology, we collaborate. Best practices, children's ministry workers, lead, worship leaders are collaborating. That's what we do. It's a kingdom collaboration purpose. And we also do that with others in the city as well. I connect with those lead pastors on a regular basis and, and all those kinds of things. But here's where I want to get to. When we do this, that may sound right, but let's embrace the reality. I, I want to walk you through a few things that die when you do this. I'll explain to you some of the things that die within me when I engage in this type of collaboration because I think it'll help articulate some things that die in all of us as we live in individual communities. If, you, if we believe in collaboration of the churches along, but we're not committed to one congregation, and even down to the level of one community, it's called hypocrisy. We cannot expect everybody else to do what we're not willing to commit to on an individual level. 
So when we commit to this kind of collaboration, we're committing to a couple of things, and one of them is is letting God kill some stuff. The, The first thing that in me that's automatically killed when I, when I submit myself to a collaborative effort, is that a me-first mentality dies. The phrase, this is best for me and my church, or this is best for me and my family, doesn't actually come out of my mouth. I, I, I'm not able to do that if I'm going to work in unity with other people. That then undermines the whole part of what we're doing. This is the best interest of the whole. And so this is, this is one of the reasons why this is one of the best fruits of my family being in one community for over nine years. You know what that means? We have suffered community. That's what that means. But in the midst of suffering that community and not just expecting everybody else to work in collaboration and unity and self-sacrifice... We're actually embracing that on the most micro level that we can as a family. Things die that need to die. And if you rob yourself of that, you're just robbing yourself of the beauty of growth and transformation that God wants to do in your life. So the kingdom collaboration is this big idea, but we have to live it out on every level. Second thing that dies within me it's just sinful desires. So the closer I live with others in, in facets of my life, the more accountability I have. And when I'm not stepping into sinful desires or speaking from them, the longer I'm, I'm avoiding that, the, the, the easier it gets. So the more I live in isolation in my own life, the easier it is for me to live into those sinful desires. But the more I open up my life into community, and I want my community to get to know where the dishes are in my kitchen, and the more I open up my, my, my ministry thoughts to the other lead pastors and our elders and all of these kind of things, the less likely I am going to be living into my sinful temptations. So that sinful desires over time die. Third thing that dies in me that probably would die in you is my desire to have my voice heard dies. Because to live in community and collaboration and unity, you actually grow in your understanding that I need to have the other people's voices in my life. That's not just in major decisions, that's in everyday living. And so this idea of kingdom collaboration, it's a big deal, all of Portland but we have to live into it on every level of our lives. Otherwise, all we're doing is expecting someone else to do what we're not willing, and that's called hypocrisy. And nobody likes to be a part of that culture. So that's why committing to this together in one congregation like this, and then committing to this to live in community together, to live out these realities, this is the space in which God's invited all of us to live into. And once we're doing that, and from that space, now we can even more freely collaborate with other churches here in Beaverton. Because we're living from a space in which we're actually living from. Does that make sense? So when we talk about this, my point, I guess I'll I'll just wrap it up with this, is saying like, we want to do this because it's right. I think we all know that it's right. 
The invitation is, is to step into it, though, because we believe it's best for us individually. We believe that God is good, that he is loving, and he does have our best interest in mind. And so when he asks us to step into a space in obedience, we have to believe that he's going to change us for the better. And if we don't, we're only robbing ourselves. And so that's the invitation. Do you want to be transformed and made into the likeness of Christ? If so, these are the spaces. Now, if I was going to summarize all of this in one statement, I would basically just boil down kingdom collaboration into this phrase. I'll put it on the screen. We're going to be a witness to God's reign and self-giving love together. That's it. Um, And the invitation is for all of us to step into it. And one of the things that we do every week at Colossae Congregations is we come to the table, which is the ultimate expression of self-giving love. This is what you celebrate on Christmas. It's God giving himself to you because he loves you. And so I want to invite you to the table as a part of God's family, unified in self-giving love. And now we just want to live into that space. But you can't live into it expecting that this. Don't think that you have to kill these things yourself. That's not the gospel. The good news is, is that God will kill them for you. He's the one that gave himself for you, for your benefit. And so all we're doing is saying, okay, God, I'm opening my life up to you. I'm going to step into this space, and I'm going to trust that you, through your grace, will kill some stuff. And when you come to the table, you're remembering that. He does the work. We just step into it. That makes sense? Let me pray. Father, uh, I'm grateful for all that you've given us, and uh, your presence is at the top of that list for sure. Thankful, God, that we don't have to invite you here, that you are here. Just as we don't have to create unity, you've given it to us. You've given us yourself. And so we're mindful of your spirit that's with us right now. And through the work of your spirit, I, I would... I would just ask that you would meet everybody here, including myself, where we are. That you would minister to us, comfort us, encourage us. And help us walk into these spaces that you have invited us into. We believe that you are good. And we come to the tables representing that belief. We come to these tables knowing that you have given yourself to us, for us that our sins are forgiven and we have received grace already because you are good and you are loving. So as we come to these tables, God, we take this bread and dip it in the juice or the wine. Remember your self-giving love in the body and blood of Jesus. And we trust that through your spirit, you will continue the trajectory that you have us on of making us into the image of your son. You've asked us to follow you, and so we look at these spaces and ways we can do that, and we trust as we do that, you will meet us. So 
Jesus' name, we sing these songs. It's in Jesus' name, we come to the table. And it's with each other, knowing that we're with you as your family. We do all these things in Jesus' name. It's because of that we trust that you'll be honored. Amen.